everyone and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this week we're doing the bonus episode for her private life. We made it. It's over. <laughs> Forever. We did it. It was a good, good show. It was And we're good. so excited to see what everybody else thinks. Yeah, we are going to read some of the reviews that other people thought because you've heard enough about what we think, but... As always, we'll end up talking a lot about what we think. Because you guys are so much better at it, so we like to steal the parts that we agree with and pretend they're our own, and then really tear into the parts that we disagree with. Yeah, y'all are so eloquent, and we're just gonna, uh, we're gonna take that for ourselves. But we'll say your name. We'll say your name so people know that you're the one that really said it. I mean, I don't think it's any secret that we're just the dum-dums who started a podcast. So Sorry, you're not a dum-dum, ma'am. No, 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 I was thinking at least we're cute, but I think that doesn't really matter on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows! Nobody knows! Also, it's very conceited. I try and not say too many conceited things. Nah, you're pretty cute. (laughs) (laughs) I think we both are, but you know, it's that hard balance. You've got to try and have confidence and like believe in yourself, but also not be a conceited brat. Yeah. I feel really cute today because I washed my hair last night. It looks so nice. I'm so jealous of your hair. Thank you. But you always look cute. You got a cute face. Thanks. So do you. Thanks. So that's the part of the show where me and Emily love each other a lot and (laughs) can't stop ourselves from praising each other. Um, (laughs) This is why we do Skype video when it's totally unnecessary for a podcast format to use the video feature. Yep. We just like to see each other. Stare into each other's eyes. Yikes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Let's read other people's comments about this wonderful K-drama. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. Momo CJ88 underscore 559 on Vicky gave it 10 out of 10 stars and said, finally, a drama without drama. None of the usual backstabbing, malicious and toxic behavior, just honest, loving and caring personalities between family and lovers. Sweet romance, just what I always craved for in a romance drama. Casting aced it with these outstanding, talented actors and actresses. The chemistry between KJW and PMY is enchanting and endearing. I wish this to never end. I was always eager for the next episode, but all good things must come to an end. This is a drama I will certainly rewatch from time to time when I need a boost in my thirst for romance. I appreciate the efforts of the subbers who bring this story to life for us. Thank you. From America. XOXO. Aww. That's a good review. That is a good review. I agree. They did have really good chemistry, and I thought the actors were really great in this. They were probably my favorite part. They, yeah, that's fair. There's a lot to love about this drama, but the actors were really, really good. I think it's pretty unique that my favorite character is also a lead. I'm like always a sucker for a good secondary character, but I think this time around my favorite character was Ryan Gold, so... Yeah, me too! That is interesting. I didn't really think about it, because 
yeah, the second secondary and tertiary characters just don't get as much screen time. So they don't... Disappoint you? Yeah, they don't disappoint you. They don't do things that make you hate them a little bit. Yep. But so, this time they did. This time they did, but also they could never shine as brightly as Ryan Gold. Yeah, he is amazing. They created a stellar character with Ryan Gold. Because he does have flaws, for sure, for sure. Uh... Sucks to have a flawless character as well. He does have flaws, but he is so good at the end of the day. And yeah. Just love him. All right, you read one. Okay, so I'm gonna reformat my typical how I. So if you've listened to the show, a bonus episode, the show and a bonus episode before, uh, you know that I typically start on 10 and then work my way down to some negative ones and then end on another 10, but I only found a couple of comments this week. So I'm gonna start low. Alright, that'll be fun. So I'm starting with a review by Delaney on Vicky, and Delaney gave the K-drama five stars and said, I loved the drama in the beginning, interesting plot and funny. The chemistry between the two leads is amazing, but damn, the last episodes are just so boring. I could barely make it through. There's so much unnecessary unnecessary things in the last episodes, and the plot gets from interesting and original to the most basic cliche ever. It is like the writers didn't know how to end the show, so they just added something without thinking. Not gonna lie to y'all, I don't disagree with Delaney on most points. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why it's so funny, because it's a very dramatic way to put it, and I, yeah, I don't agree with it 100%, but I get where she's coming from. I I hear her. Yeah, yeah. You are seen and you are heard, Delaney, because, yeah. Uh, I liked that uh, they brought up that they loved the drama in the beginning, because I also, I thought that the slow burn going from, like, and pretty much enemies to lovers type situation was handled really well and believably. Like, I didn't hate the process of them getting together, but I liked that there was conflict in it and there was still drama, but I didn't, I was still rooting for them to get together because they made two very good characters that you enjoy that have like really bad first impressions of each other and then second impressions and third impressions and I thought that was really really good until that one episode where it wasn't. You listened to the podcast. You remember. You remember when I was fine until I wasn't. I think it was episode 8 that was painful. (laughs) Just so bad because they took the drama and they ratcheted it up until it was almost intolerable. And then from that episode on, there was pretty much no drama or really contrived drama. Sorry, guys. It was just... So yeah, and I liked that the first part of the show did focus on her fangirling and her private life, and I also liked that the first part of the show focused on them going and meeting these other artists and having, like, real conversations, both with the artists and between the two of them. That was really good. I liked all of that. Oh my god. Yeah, I think the only thing that could have improved it is continuing that. There was so much that they were doing really well with this whole putting the gallery together and creating different perspectives of people's lives 
And they started so strong, and then they just kind of let it simmer out and turn into a family drama. Yeah. Which was a choice. It was a choice. I think the hardest part of that choice is just that, like, we've seen them. We've seen the family dramas, and the unique thing about this was how it presented people's lives through art, and how uh, they... We were seeing it through that lens and also through the lens of like a fangirl who is learning also how to love other people besides her fandom person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides her idol. 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 That's the word. It's like crush? <laughs> uh not really. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think it was like five stars worth of let down. I think it was just a real change of pace that was kind of uh, not even startling because I might not have even noticed it except in this review. Like, if I had watched this drama like a normal person and then just went on to the next drama, I might have just been like, eight stars! That was really good! And moved on with my life. It's only because I have to tear it apart that I'm like, no, there's a weird chase pace change in the middle. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Do you want to do another one? Yeah, I'll do my three-star one so that I can end on my eight-star one because I also only pulled three reviews. Oh, we are moving through these quickly. Uh-oh. Um, well, I, I guess I've only read one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, three-star <laughs> one. My three-star one is really long, so buckle in. This is from TDP on Vicky. They said, a very eh drama. The beginning was good, and then it was just kind of predictable and boring. The have to go to New York at the end was a stretch and not needed. The foster mother leaving Ryan at an orphanage was not well explained. How much does it cost to feed a seven-year-old? And weren't they financially... And they weren't financially unstable long, so why didn't she just make it work to give him a home? Like she did with the judo director? It didn't fit with her character, and taking in any youth in need... That she would so cruelly discard Ryan. So that was an unneeded twist that simply didn't work. Would have been better if Ryan's biological mom left him because she felt she had no option and to further her career. Also, I'm unclear how old she was when she had Ryan, but she seems much older. But he seems much older than his brother, so I'm not sure how that works. Also, who is the father of both Ryan and his brother? The drama lacked any real conflict or antagonist. The issue of being a super fan is solved very early, and since the characters have a pact to never lie to each other, we don't have any of the common misunderstandings of K-drama. I don't mind that because these common misunderstandings can be annoying, but I do mind when there's no conflict to replace it. We then have a story that's Honestly, completed by episode 8 or 9. So we're left with filler episodes, sans any meaningful content to finish the season. Secondary couples were much more entertaining and filled with depth. Lots of unneeded hugging and crying. One good kiss scene. Wish we got kiss scenes or skinship from the secondary couples as well, as seen more of their relationships, hardships, and resolutions. You can skip through half of the show and not miss anything. I do commend the drama on portraying an adult relationship that isn't riddled with mirrored misunderstandings, but instead shows a mature form of communication between couples. I also love how it showed strong women that aren't backstabbing, fighting over men, and conniving. I also enjoyed the initial chemistry between the lead, though I felt that it was lost after that first kiss scene. And like I said before, I really enjoyed the secondary couples, especially the best friend and her husband. Her upset over his TV show betrayal and her reasoning was so realistic and adult-like, and we rarely see that in K-dramas. I also like how the show left out the overdone theme of single and kooky best friend bit. And 
That was a roller coaster. Honestly, I picked this one because there are a lot of points in there that I agree with. And I'm surprised they gave it three stars. That's really low. That is really low. It's interesting because there were some parts where I was like, yeah, yeah, get him, get him. And then there were other parts where I was like, no, No. that one, that one didn't bother me. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Should we just like go through top to bottom, tear this up? Just unpack it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's. Let's get it out there. The beginning was good, then it was just kind of predictable and boring. Mm. I I get that, but I mean, it's not as extreme as I feel like they say, but I get that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can feel that. What was what was the next part? They have to go to New York at the end was a stretch and not needed. Agreed. I will. Really, I mm-hmm. completely disagree. You didn't. You thought they needed a break. They needed a year long jump jump gap. Hear me out. <laughs> I love a one year gap. I love a time jump. I do like that they decided to take their time jump together, because there's nothing I hate more than a time jump where they just decide that they're going to be apart for a year. I think people are super strong that are able to do long-distance relationships. I think that if you do it right, anyone can do it, honestly. But that said, I sometimes get really confused in K-dramas when they're like, alright, well, we we won't be able to see each other for a year, so I guess this is over for now. It's weird. It's a weird choice. Yeah, I'm really glad they contrived to do it together yeah i just love a time jump and i thought they wrote it into the story this time instead of just being like and then there's a year as happens time passes but was it necessary i don't know about that i don't know about that next the foster mother leaving ryan at an orphanage was not well explained it's hard because that one sentence I don't completely disagree with in that I don't think that we ever needed Ryan Gold to live with them at any point. I didn't need that from this story. I didn't think that it made it a more complete or interesting story. I don't think that it really should have had any impact on what they were doing at this time. If they had literally just had some stranger find Ryan and leave him at the orphanage and that was, like, stressful and really hurt him and, like, impacted his psyche, I would be like, yeah, fuck, that really sucks that someone just, like, found you in a park and then, like, forcibly dragged you to an orphanage. But the way, yeah, the way the whole scene was, was, oh my god, so weird. Mm-hmm. That part of the story is the only part that I was like, I don't like this show. What's happening? It just feels like, I don't know what you do if you find a missing kid, but don't you go to the police? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you go to the police. It seems like his mom would have been able to find him if homegirl's mom, Duck Me's mom, had either called the police that night or taken him the next day and been like, this is a missing child. I can't just secretly keep him in my house. And then, and then, instead of taking him to the orphanage and being like, hey, orphanage people, there's this kid that's been missing. I haven't reported him missing. 
I've just kept him. Now I can't keep him anymore. Can I file for him to, like, be here? I don't know. I don't know what happens when you go take a kid to an orphanage, but I don't think you have to throw him on the stairs in the middle of the night and be like, figure it out. Yeah, also, he was seven, and I know you can't even begin to explain it to, like, any child, really, that you're about to leave them in an orphanage. But it wasn't like he was an th- unreasonable three-year-old. I guess I don't spend a whole lot of time with seven-year-olds, but if at the very least she had just been like, listen, I financially can't support you. Do you remember how you had a mom before me? Like, I, I'm not her. I'm sorry. Like, instead of just, I'm not your mother, like, fucking <laughs> shoves him. Like, fucking... <laughs> she shoves him. A child. Yeah. Anyway. Why? Anyway, and then... They explain it by adding another child that they kill. Why? Why does that explain anything? The one thing that I liked that came out of that was a line about how there's, like, I don't know if we talked about this last episode, but it was really beautifully handled where they were like, there's a a term for someone who's lost their wife, and there's a term for someone who's lost their parent, but there is no term for someone who has lost their child because there there's no grief like it, and I would never even begin to judge a mother who's lost their child. Like, that's really beautiful, actually. And then in the bonus episode, me and Michaela are like, we hear you, but we are here to judge you. <laughs> yeah. Why are you like this? Why are you shoving orphans? I guess my question is, why did we come to this point? Like, why did that have to even be part of the story? I just don't get it. Yeah. Why did it have to be her? But also, why couldn't she handle it like a reasonable adult? I don't know. Like I said, I've never found a missing kid, but it just seems like there's so many things that you would do to be like, let's try and find your mom. And it seems like she just decided to raise him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until she couldn't. So they they could spend a whole bunch of time in this K-drama on, like, just, like, standstill staring at art moments, but they couldn't have taken, mm, like, two or three minutes to at least hash out whether or not she had talked to the cops about this missing child. You're gonna convince me of that? You- no. Well, just include one scene where she goes to the police, and they're like, we'll keep an eye out. Do you mind taking this one for us while we- while we check things out? That would be more believable, honestly. Honestly, anything- would be more believable than what happened. Yeah. I do love where the comment goes right after that, though. Amazing. Just right off the rails. Uh, how much does it cost to feed a seven-year-old? <laughs> oh, this person's Why my hero. Why didn't she make it work? This person is my hero. That's not where they went wrong, commenter. <laughs> That's not the part that they failed us. It's a... S- how much could it cost? It's a seven-year-old. <laughs> it's a child. Just give it a biscuit. I don't know. <laughs> no. It's oh. a seven-year-old. How much could it cost, Yoongi? One cell phone? One... <laughs> they fed the judo kid. Come on, why can't they feed another kid? <laughs> That's not an issue. <laughs> Oh, you lost me. Okay, you started strong and you lost me. Uh, but they did say it didn't fit with their character in that would it take in a stray kid to gen- to then cruelly discard Ryan. That's true. Yeah. I think that's fair. 
I don't disagree. It's an unneeded twist that simply didn't work. Yes, agree. It did not work. Would have been better if Ryan's biological mom had left him. I mean... Uh, Maybe. I'm glad they ended up being able to have a relationship, for sure, for sure. Don't know that they could have if it had been her that had shoved him onto the doorstep of an orphanage. Uh, Like I said, I honestly would have been fine with it if it had been a stranger. I think that there's this weird, we sort of talked about it, we touched on it, there's this weird romantic notion that every person in a K-drama that the character met or talked to um, has to be someone that's been part of the story the whole time, or like, mm-hmm. a, like a weird, like, fate type. I don't know, like a fate-adjacent romanticism of that whole thing that I just don't think is necessary. Like, I don't know. I I just don't, I don't feel like it detracts from a story if there's literally just like a person that like a bus stop girl, for example, like someone who's there for 20 seconds and doesn't really like do anything or say anything. But the thing is, is that I see dozens and dozens of people that I don't talk to or interact with and that will remain strangers to me every day. And I just don't think it's weird if like the person that drops you off at the orphanage is just like someone and that's it. And it doesn't have to be like someone that you grow up to know or like fate brings you back together for it to still be a good story. Anyway. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. I love it. You make a good point. But I feel like they also still could have connected, like, maybe Dukmi and Ungi, and it had this abandoned kid that just almost, like, lives at the park for a couple days, and, every, like, both days these kids come by and, like, play with them, and then they run home, and baby Ryan Gold just sleeps in the park for a night or two, and then somebody finds them and is like, hey, we need to go to an orphanage. You can't be homeless. And yeah, just bus stop girl abandons him at the orphanage. (laughs) But like, that's the trial is that he was homeless. Like, that's the scarring incident for him. It wasn't the abandonment at the orphanage necessarily. You know, but he still meets Duck Me. I got it. I did it. I fixed the story. Yeah. Brilliant. It's fate. They knew each other as children. There's your weird fate that you need for it to be a romantic story. I'm sorry, if you genuinely think it's romantic that, like, they knew each other when they were children, I guess that's fine. I don't get it. I'm so sorry. It's unnecessary, but if you want it, you can take my version. Because uh, in that version, her mom doesn't throw him on a sidewalk in the middle of the night and expect someone else to take care of him. Because I think that's weird. It's the only part I have a problem with. And then she says, I'm unclear how old his mom was when she had Ryan, but he seems much older than his brother. So I'm not sure how that works. That's just time, babe. Yeah, that is how time works. You can be much older than your brother. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure mom was in a coma for like a while, I guess. Is that right? Or was she just sick in the hospital and didn't tell anyone that she had a kid that was at the park? I got the impression you're supposed to assume she was in a coma. Okay, gotcha. So she's in a coma, and then that takes a while, and then she has to, like, look for her kid, which I'm sure, like, the scars that leaves lasted a while as well. And then, like, you have to take into consideration that she probably, like, met another person that, like, she probably fell in love with. But I will say that 
that it also isn't necessary. I know that we get to that part in the comment as well. Don't really care about who the dad is. <laughs> I love that they're like, also, who's their dad? That's how babies work. There's a mom and a dad. It doesn't matter who they are. It could. I mean, it might. They could write another version of this K drama where the dads have added drama to the story, but they haven't. So it doesn't matter that they're not cast. Don't worry about it. No biggie. But yeah, that probably took a while for her to like get over that, meet a new person, fall in love, and then like make the very difficult decision to like start a new family because after losing a child, that would be fucking rough. Yeah, she talks about with uh, the other mom about how it feels like a betrayal and feels like you're quote-unquote moving on or maybe even quote-unquote replacing your kid. But she's, or at least maybe she worries that other people would see it that way. And that's like her deepest fear is that it's not that. She she wants the world and herself to know that it would never be replacing her child that she lost. So yeah, that takes time. And you can have a kid 15 years, 20 years apart. Mm-hmm. You can have as many kids as you want, y'all. Have them all. Have you ever been to Utah? <laughs> there are plenty of siblings that are 15, 20, 25 years older than their their new siblings. Yeah, y'all, if you want a fun little peek into my family life, I have 38 first cousins on one side, and that only happens if you have family members that have a lot of kids over a long span of time. So the fact that she only has two kids... And they're only like 15 to 20 years apart. That's not super weird. No. Maybe it's just us. Maybe they thought it was weird. Yeah. The drama lacked any real conflict or antagonist. I say that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't really feel... The one thing even close to an antagonist was the one director, and I guess Cindy, her daughter. But she was actually just like pretty good comedic relief. The one time that I've... and You know, looking back at the first like six episodes of this K-drama, it's kind of unreal. Like how things turned around because do you remember when she slapped duck me no yeah i mean yeah i do now i forgot about it (laughs) right in her face after duck me had like had a rough day she walked up (laughs) physically yeah like actually assaulted duck me i forgot about that that's crazy by the end of the show i really liked directed um i think that's her name yeah oh my god Oh my god. I cannot get enough. I love her. Yeah, she's How hilarious. was she so vile? Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. We've been on I'm a journey. Yeah, we've, <laughs> we've been on a journey with this K-drama. Wow. They, yeah, they really lacked antagonists, because everyone we thought would be an antagonist, they turned it around by the end. Yeah, and they, they were, were just people. They were all just people, which I don't disagree with. I don't feel like I needed an antagonist, but they could have had some more situational drama. Yeah, but yeah, I'm fine with it. I, there was a lack of conflict or antagonists because it was a pretty real-to-life drama. They kept it out of the realm of too crazy. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. The issue of being a super fan is solved very early and... Very early, was it? Because I'm pretty sure Vicky said it was solved in the freaking description, and then <laughs> it was like episode eight where he found out. Yeah. I guess that's kind of early for a drama. 
Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's hard. If it was a movie, though, that would have been pretty fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) For him to find out that she was a super fan and be fine with it. And for it to be in the Vicky description. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't do that, Vicky. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, yeah. I thought they would do more with the the super fan stuff, and they kind of played it off. They're done. They're done. It's over. And since they never lie to each other, there are no misunderstandings. Thank God. Then we have a story that's honestly completed by episode 8 or 9. You're not wrong. I think we said the same thing in our final episode. That it was like, there's there's content here for like 10 episodes. 10 really strong episodes. And then scattered throughout all the other episodes. There's just a weird amount of filler. Mm-hmm. And they really came strong in the last couple of episodes. Like 14 and 15. Stop. Yeah. Yep. Just like only filler and then like a new plot. But it was always there under the surface or so they say. I don't know. Yeah. 10 episodes in this K-drama is done. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's really good after that. We still got some... Like, episode 16, irreplaceable. What a good finale episode. Yeah. Also, I really loved um, getting some insight into, like, yeah, the whole setup for their expo. That was awesome. I got really hyped for it. I was really excited. I loved all of the characters, so seeing all of their little fluffy scenes together was very fun. But it was, there was a lot of it. Yeah, and there's a lot of build-up. Like, we gotta build up the tension and then explain it. And then have episode 16 tie it all together. Okay. Okay. And just 15 seconds. Like, if you could watch these dramas on double speed, if you can read that fast, if you're allowed to watch that fast, I would do it for this drama. Yeah. That would be primo, primo watching. Yeah. Just, like, really quick. At least through the end, I really do see actually a lot of values value in, like, the first seven episodes. I was so in them. I loved them all. I don't know. I remember 5 through 8 being a struggle. Yeah. I remember 8 being a struggle. That's when they really turned on the, they've decided they just can't be together. And that was uh. a lot for me when they when she <laughs> decided to break off their fake relationship just as he was deciding to let her know he loved her or whatever. The worst. The worst. Ugh. And then, yeah, for me, like, 13, 14, 15, it's like, guys, it's like slowly each character one at a time figuring out what they mean to each other. Just get on with it. Hurry. Yeah. Lots of unneeded hugging and crying. There was so much hugging and crying, but I liked it. I think they showed a lot of Ryan Gold crying, which feels maybe like a waste of time. But for me, as an American, I like to see men being emotional on TV because I think that is a good thing for men and women to see in real life. 100% agreed. Not here for any perpetuation of toxic masculinity. Men should always be allowed to share their emotions. No one should ever make them feel bad for it. No one should ever try and take that away from them. It is really amazing. I am here for it. Cry all you want, Ryan Gold, if you feel it. Then and he does. He cries every single episode. He does cry. Finale. He does cry every single episode. But he does. I mean, he goes through a lot. And like, yeah, I will always support um, men showing their emotions. So I'm here for him. One good kiss scene. That's surprising. I felt like all the kiss scenes were pretty good. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm a grosso, but <laughs> I was good so. with it. Yeah, I actually really appreciated the kiss scenes in this particular K-drama. I think that um, they... I just think the actors had a lot of good chemistry, so... Yeah, so it worked. Uh, you can skip through half the show and not miss anything, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I do commend the drama on portraying an adult relationship that isn't riddled with misunderstandings. Yes. Preach it. Yeah. Showed strong women who aren't backstabbing or fighting over men or conniving. Preach it. Mostly. There's Cindy, who we said started out as maybe a villain, and she's a little bit conniving. Yeah. But, you know, she turns it around. Yeah, they taught her how to be a person by the end. There are also women who shoot, like, pellets? I don't know. <gasps> Damn. <laughs> but yeah. The woman is assaulted by many other women. I guess that's women power in a way. But, you know, it's a dark time. And then, and like I said before, I really enjoyed the secondary couples, especially the best friend and her husband. Mm-mm. I actually was really frustrated by them. What? I really liked them. I liked them. I just... There was that rough patch that really stressed me out, because it was pretty much just like... I don't know. I think they fixed it well. Yeah, they fixed it well. But I agree. Like, thinking back, until you said it, I forgot, because I have the brain of a mayfly. But <laughs> I think when that happened, I was very upset over it, because like I said, it was... The drama was too real. You can't make drama about real life stuff and make her have such sad lines about how real life love isn't real. Yeah. It was hard to watch. That was heartbreaking. But they brought it back, so I forgot about all the conflict. Good job, guys. Yeah, they did bring it back. Overall, it was a really good relationship. And then they left out the overdone theme of the single and kooky best friend. That was interesting. I kind of forgot. I don't know. I didn't realize until they said it that it's more common for the best friend to be single than to be married. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that it was a married best friend with a kid. Yeah, I mean, they really over overdid it on that. I got married because I had a kid thing. Really, uh, please stop that. Also, a little bit true to real life. Oh no, that's... Please just yeah. give us a relationship where she's like, I had a kid because I wanted one and I met the love of my life. Which I feel like they grew into that with the drama by the later episodes. She's like, no, I love my kid and I made the choice to have him. And when I was dating my boyfriend, he was good to me and I love him so much, even more than an idol. And that's a lot. They made it seem like a real and good relationship eventually. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was The rough patch was really rough, but it was good. Yeah. They started off really tropey, but they evened it out. The other secondary character, Ungi. What a ride we had with him. Yeah, I don't care for, un- for Ungi. But, you know, he's there, so. Yeah. That's that review. Three out of ten stars, though. <laughs> Uh, like, I, did you see the camera work? Did you hear the sound effects? Uh, what what drove this down so much for you? Yeah. Yeah, 3 out of 10 stars is really low. 3 out of 10 stars is like, they filmed this on someone's camera phone, and the actors were clearly just the friends of the director. Like, But like, it made them about? laugh, so they threw in a couple <laughs> of stars. And a couple of stars, because it was alright. Like, what are you talking about? 
Get out of here with your three stars. Now I'm mad. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to do my seven star review. Okay. Okay. So uh, this is by Amy Pearl C underscore 406. I gave it seven stars. <laughs> Surprise. Um, a surprisingly average drama. I was expecting so much more, but I found Park Min Young's performance dull and Kim Jae-wook was not able to carry the drama with his good performance alone. The supporting characters were good and I loved Eom Sohai, uh, Kim Hyo-jin, and the other workers at Chum. However, there were far too many cliches from Eun-gi and Doi Chang. Choi Den. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Edit this out. What's her name? Is it Choi Dan? Yeah, Choi Dain. Dain? Ah, oh, nailed it. Um, I hoped more of the focus would be on Diak Mi's private life fangirling as suggested, but it was hardly even necessary to the plot, and I felt the same way about Cha Xian, her bias. On a good note, the leads worked well together, and I felt invested in their romance, although they got together too quickly with not enough conflict, losing my interest. Also, the first half of the drama was entertaining, and uh, throughout, there were many laugh-out-loud moments. If you want a drama to relax with, this is the one, because it's slow-paced, easygoing, and there are hardly any conflicts for the main characters. But if you want something more compelling that will actually make you anticipate the next episode, find something else. Dang. Dang. I don't know. Again, I agree with some points. I disagree with others. I also love Yom So High. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know anybody's real name. Yeah. I barely know their name in the drama. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that was director Yom. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. I love her. <laughs> Wait, these are the characters' names. Yeah. Um, so here in Kim Hwajin. Except... Except uh, the first two. Yes, except Park Min Young is Diak Mi and Kim Jae-wook is Ryan Gold. Okay, my bad. That threw me off. Because I did get back with it with Ungi and Che Dain. Alright, we're getting there. We're figuring it out. Yeah, uh, there were too many cliches from Ungi. I was over it. Get him out of here. Don't care. <laughs> Tidane tried to be a villain, but she only lasted, like, two episodes. Yeah. That's fine with me, though. I love good winning over evil. Same. I really liked her style. I liked her haircut. Oh my gosh, she's so cool. Some of her earrings were so bad. Yeah. But I love her. <laughs> she reminded me of, like, the people I wanted to be friends with, with, like, especially, like, in my early college years that I just felt like were too cool for me. Mm -hmm. I'm very uncool, and I felt like I couldn't even carry a conversation with them because they were very <laughs> cool. And that is who uh, Cho Dain is for me. I feel that. I mean, at this point, maybe I'm a little too confident. But I'm like, just stop being cool and be normal for like half a sec. Yeah. Talk to me like a normal person. I can't believe I'm even talking about this out loud on a podcast that will end up on the internet, but there's like a really cool person that's pretty high up in my company that like everyone really wants to be friends with, and he reminds me of Troy Dain, like <gasps> big time, like, whoa. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I don't want to be friends with that guy. Yeah, he's really cool. Do you guys know, like, cool people? Do you, um, do you know, like, cool people? Like, really cool people? I don't want to offend you by, like, not including you. No, that's okay. This feels like a moment where I could really lift you up, but I'm gonna say no. 
Because <laughs> I live in a town with 5,000 people. Like, who here is going to be, like, Chaydain levels of, like, flight to and from Seoul and New York as a freaking artist in demand levels of cool? <laughs> Not really from where we're from. I don't know. Yeah, not really in Utah either. No offense, Utah. You're getting there. You've got the you've got the works. <laughs> They're trying. They're trying. I mean maybe there are. In like Kayenta. Y'all ever heard of Kayenta? Art village? Kayenta is really cool, so really cool people there probably. I've just never met them. But that's my fault. That's my bad for being 12 years old when I went to Kayenta. Yeah, I uh, volunteered at a film festival in Utah for a couple of years, and a lot of the people there were pretty cool. Matthew Gray Goobler sometimes comes to Utah. <laughs> that counts. That totally counts. He's the coolest He's person like, I can think of. Really cool. Oh, uh, that's about it. That's the list. <laughs> Do you, I, you already said you're a cool person yeah. in your freaking company. Mm-hmm. There's, oh man, no, no one is as cool as Che Dain in my life. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. I need more cool. Come to the Pacific Northwest. Everyone here is cool. It's exhausting. <laughs> it sounds exhausting. It sounds like the, what I was talking about before. The level of, like, please calm down. Cool. Yeah. Just too much, Sometimes I feel that, and I once momentarily tried to express that to one of my friends at work about the very cool guy that works at our company. I I attempted to express that, and he immediately shut me down. Like, we're not, you just don't even get it, like, because you've never been cool. And I was like, oh, you just arrested (laughs) the shit out of me. <laughs> I thought we were being real, but uh here we are. <laughs> Me and my sweatshirt and ball cap and you being like, maybe you just don't get it. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not wrong. Not wrong, but I don't feel better. Yeah. Yikes. So anyway, that's Trodine and that was that review and I agree with <laughs> some of it, but not all of it. I do like that people have mentioned in the comments that we chose, I thought there would be more, like, fangirling, because they started off so strong. That's where so much of the comedy came from in the beginning, so much of the Duckmi's character. Mm. Even, like, her mom being really against her fangirling was a thing, and then, like, her mom finds out that she's still a fangirl, and she's like, hey, don't. And then Ryan Gold's come in, comes in and she's like, ah, well, if we're all on the same page, then I guess I gotta get with it. And you're like, there's no conflict there. Yeah. Also, yeah, it did just feel like as soon as Ryan Gold find, found out about it and was cool with it, everyone was like, I guess cool guy Ryan Gold is cool with it, so we also have to be cool with it. <laughs> Which makes sense in like a real life way, but it's just not interesting in it drama way yeah but hey what are you gonna do what are you gonna do i just yeah i think we mentioned it in the finale episode i thought they'd like tie up some loose ends with her fangirling but they're like no she's still maybe a fangirl even though it's now maybe her brother-in-law he yeah okay i think the only thing i didn't agree with in this comment was parkman young's uh, performance being dull. I thought she was delightful. Yeah. She's a cutie. Right off the top, they really slammed her. What are you talking about? She's perfect. Look at her face. Just like her being in a room makes it brighter. Yeah. And cuter. There's nothing dull about her. There's nothing dull about her. Get out of my house. 
Okay. Let's hit it up with a 10-star review. Yeah. Perfection. Did I already read the 10-star review? Maybe. I did. I did. Yeah. Let's hit it up with an 8-star <laughs> review. This one's from Arana. Two A's at the start, two more A's in the middle and end. Okay. <laughs> Some people can't understand why an older actress would be playing a fangirl, but the point is she's an older woman playing a fangirl. Do you all think that only someone in their 20s can be a fan? How old are you? I'm 35, and while I'm not as obsessive as this drama portrays, I definitely swoon over an actor or two. While this drama is over the top, it's done so to be comedic. I think PMY is fantastic and believable as someone with a dual personality, and I can relate to her. This drama is relatable and hilarious, and I cannot wait to see more. Okay. And then there's an edit for after she watched the whole thing. I definitely enjoyed the maturity in this show and how they handled tough situations. It wasn't riddled with common tropes of misunderstandings and cleared things up with communication and effort. The chemistry of the main leads isn't something I've seen since Dots, uh, Descendants of the Sun, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved how he wasn't repulsed by her habits, but enamored by them. That being said, I lowered my score because I felt like they lost sight of what I found most enjoyable about the show, the life of a fangirl. It got wrapped up in relationship drama that left it that left a few things unfulfilled in my opinion and left a huge hole in my heart that I usually hope a finale will fill. I thought that last step would come full circle, but didn't go deep enough for me. I feel that. I feel that. I like this review a lot. I'm going to steal this one. Yeah, that's really good. I liked uh, I think they made some really valid points about how they really wished that they'd bring it back. I think a reoccurring theme with all of our comments is that a lot of people just wish they would have leaned into what the K-drama was about instead of leaning away from it near the end. And I, yeah, I really get that. I really get that. Started off sweet and funny and ended on a really serious note. Which was fulfilling, but there was a little, uh, there's a loose end that I felt like they could have brought back some of the lighthearted comedy fangirling neatness that they had in the first few episodes. Yeah. I think the one thing that I was really glad for that as they started to lean away from the fangirl aspect that they did lean into was the fact that she is also an artist or was an artist and was very interested in art and that she's very competent at her job. I'm, I think they could have struck a balance between those two things. I don't think they had to sacrifice the fangirling to show that she's like a competent curator and artist as well, but at least they always had one or the other. Yeah, I don't, I think it's a misrepresentation to call it dual personality, uh, but I, I see what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got these two lives going on, and I feel like they wrote a character that seemed believable and played both really well. Yeah, it was all in her private life. So, oh, her private life. <gasps> But also, I don't know, I was going to say it stopped being about her private life, but it was still about her private life. It's just more about her family life. Yeah. Whoa. We were misled. <laughs> it was us that was wrong. We were wrong the whole time. Mm. Okay. So, anything else about, that was 
a very good review. That was a very good review. Uh, I like that they said they defended that uh, older people can be fans because that was a common theme in a lot of the comments on Vicky. Yeah. It's like many people being different ages and saying, like, I'm still a fan of things even though I'm older. Like, I, as Emily, expect... That when I'm 30, I'll be dead because the world is ending. (laughs) But if I'm alive, I'll probably still like dramas. Yes, same. My 30s are coming up very minutely faster than Emily's 30s. And I think I will still be alive. If the world has not ended. If the world hasn't ended, I might have a good year or two into my 30s. And then you'll just stop liking everything you liked before. And (laughs) being an adult, you'll start liking taxes like you should. Taxes and mortgages, obviously. Start loving those things like a real woman. Have you seen the stocks today? Mm, I haven't because I'm in my 20s. That's old people (laughs) stuff. I only watch gay dramas because I'm in my (laughs) 20s. But I'm excited. I'm excited for the future and the stocks (laughs) and the... uh, burning of the ecosystems can't wait yikes yikes uh. <laughs> can I read your last review <laughs> yeah okay this one is by uh yami chong uh they gave it 10 stars on vicky and they said this series is cavity inducing it's so <laughs> sweet and i am here for it the chemistry works the actors are attentive in their roles and the story is progressing well i'm not sure how complaints can be made it has an amazing OST thus far, likable uh, likable characters, and even offers a positive light on LGBT relationships. I mean, it's not portrayed as a joke and is handled beautifully well. I've seen complaints about them not painting the stalker fans poorly, and I just don't see that. Are they supposed to be hideous monsters with no likable traits? They're people too, even if they're on a terrible path. They can be attractive and have likable traits, just like any other person out there. They can be any age, as if age stops people from being obsessive. If you're any sort of sane, you will look at them and say, yep, that's about right, not ever going to do that. This show, uh, the show isn't making the stalker tendencies acceptable or glorifying it. It's still horrifying to anyone who maintains a stable life. You can see that this is not normal behavior. This show is great, and with where it is right now in airing, I foresee it only getting better. It's bringing forth a strong female character, or strong female lead with her own opinions and hobbies. It's giving us a compassionate male lead who is not drowning in his own ego. The series will be a favorite in my heart, I feel it. I don't- I love this comment, and I also get really lost in the weeds of this comment. What? (laughs) What happened in the middle? Yeah. It's like a beautiful sandwich, but then you, like, open it up, and you're like, what? I think I'm just confused about who we're talking about being a stalker right now. Yeah. Because there were stalkers, for sure, for sure, for sure. But (laughs) But are they including Duck Me, or Cindy, or just the like fans that there's like three girls that they show a lot through this show as like the Xion's biggest fans mm-hmm. those homegirls girl that jumps in front of the van the girls that pelt duck me with eggs there's a lot of fans in this show and i feel like you can't just uh 
say stalker fans. Yeah. So anyway, um, I guess I don't under I don't completely understand that part, Yomi Chan. But I am so here for the part where they paint the LGBT community in a positive light and don't make it a joke and make it really supported. And when they are joking about it, it's more about like how Ryan Gold is bending over backwards to protect the privacy of two characters that he thinks are lesbians and that's beautiful and then and then instead of just being like okay that was a kind of funny joke and like we handled it really well we handled it respectfully but it was still kind of a joke they cut it off and they gave us the scene with the photographer and the writer yes like they could have just finished it with the misunderstanding between ryan and duck me and sunju but instead they were like no we're really allies we're here for it, hundo percent. Like, those were fun jokes. We've had a lot of fun here today. But what we really are at the end of the day are allies. And it's like, yes, yes. I mean, honestly, maybe some of the creators were even making sure that themselves were represented in there. And I really genuinely hope so from the bottom of my heart. But if, whether they were or weren't, like, I hope so as well, but whether they were or weren't, they're doing so much work for Korea. Yeah. For young people watching K-dramas. I hope young people watch K-dramas. They're amazing. Yeah. Uh, And apparently there's progress being made for equality. Ah, ah, so good. Yeah. No, this is amazing. I'm glad that this person called it out. I will call it out forever. I'm going to reference this K-drama forever and ever in all of the K-dramas that we review. Anytime any K-drama ever handles any LGBTQ uh, things, um, issues incorrectly, I'm going to cite this K-drama as having handled everything very well. They did a good job. Okay, we are past the days of You're Beautiful, where there's weird misunderstandings and they're played off as jokes. We're done with that. Oh, so excited. Yeah, that was really good. And then um, I really liked... You lost me in the middle. You lost me in the middle, but the end was good, too, because I did like a strong female character with her own opinions and hobbies, and I did love me a good, compassionate male lead who is not drowning in his own ego. Mm, and understands his emotions. He's got emotional intelligence. He's got... He's humble. He's stunning. He is kind to other people. What are we doing? This is the best drama ever made. Yeah, ten stars. Ten stars. This is why we always read your guys' reviews. We need some perspective. Yes. It's not a perfect drama, but we need to appreciate and acknowledge how much work they did in the wings. Yeah, yeah, they did a damn good job. They did a damn fine job. (laughs) And we did, too. Look at us. We did we fine. Did, we did fine. Uh, we did mediocre. They but, did you damn know, fine. you guys we brought did. it back. Yeah, we did regular fine. Um, so, Emily, mm-hmm. what star rating would you give this show? Eek. <laughs> Can I say eight and a half? Yeah. I don't have to give full stars? No. Okay, eight and a half. Okay. Um... I will give it eight and a half as well. I think the play on K rating is eight and a half for this K drama. Okay. I almost gave it eight. I did almost give it eight, but upon further consideration and after the glowing review that we ended on, I think eight and a half is the right way to go. Right? There are so many things. Like, if you take all the good
good aspects of this show. Ten stars. Blown out of the water. So, so good. If you detract just all the weird bad stuff that they like the bad parts of this show it might be like even an eight like they did they didn't have that much going against them so i feel like eight and a half is just where it's at yeah that's not an average between eight and ten it's just how i feel in my heart yeah that's just how it is take it oh this is good i'd recommend this drama yeah i would I would definitely recommend it. I think to like maybe someone who's just getting into K dramas, maybe. Yeah, don't they know. don't need to start with Goblin. Oh, Goblin will only lead to tears. <laughs> I oh, I almost said this K drama didn't make me cry, but it did at the part with the writer and the photographer. I did cry. I did cry, and then I cried at the speech that you mentioned in this episode. Uh, where the two moms are talking about losing their children. Stop. <laughs> but I just cried over the words. Like, I'm thinking of other K-dramas where I cry over actions and events. Yeah. So this one's not too bad as far as uh, making you cry, making the moms cry. Yeah, they only made some of the moms cry. Um, quit spin-off series. What do you what what do you wish you could see spun off of this K drama? <laughs> okay, before we started this episode, we were on Vicky looking up comments and we saw that there is a movie that was made <laughs> not as a spin-off at all, but the casting was Chasian and Cindy playing little high school sweethearts. Now I can't get it off my brain. That sounds so good. It is really poorly rated. I don't think I'll ever watch it. Actually, it sounded pretty sad. I think it was called Goodbye Summer or something, if you wanted to look it up. If you want to look it up, if that's a spinoff you want. Yeah. Um, So that's what they do. That's what those two do. If they they do a spinoff, I do want one with Chaosian. Because he's left all alone at the end, uh, I guess before their one-year gap, but we don't really round I back wanna to I want to see him. the spinoff of him and the barista kid uh, starting a band together. That's right. That's where they left it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So that's the spinoff that we'd like to see. Can't wait for it. I think it'll be really good. And their weird boss sister friend, Mom, will bring them treats. At her recording <laughs> studio. All the good, good friends they met in this show will make little cameos. Can't wait. We did it. We made a really good show. I always do. Well, this has <laughs> been a long one, folks. Um, if you want to request the next K-drama, um, wow. Oh, yeah. Playonkpodcast at gmail.com. That's our email. Um, that's a really good place to request it. I'm so sorry. I just lost my mind. I looked at yeah, you died. I that died. was weird. Um, I'm so sorry. About you. But yes, uh, we actually, so we're starting a new K-drama. If you send any requests of the next K-drama you want to watch, we're only kind of behind in our recording schedule now. And so uh, it's a good time. It's a really good time for you to request it. If you wanted to make sure that you are clued in to when we start that new drama, Emily, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) You can sign up for our newsletter and listen to any past episodes on our website, playonk.com. 
We're on I. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Didn't know if you'd jump in. I thought you were still sneezing. <laughs> I finished up so that I could come in and let you guys know that we're on iTunes. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And it's just play on K over there. And it's it, we would love you forever and probably say your name on the podcast if you left it with a really nice review. Please. Then we are on iTunes. You can give us a short hey there. We are at Play on K. And just tell us you're listening and if you like the yeah. show. And our song, our theme song that's playing right now and played at the beginning of the episode is by James Hevel. He's amazing and we love him and we love our song. And we love you guys for listening. Join us next week for a brand new drama. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>